Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I'm the worship pastor here at Compass Point. And today with me to wrap up our series on waiting on the books of Thessalonians is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. How's it going? How are you, Paul? I'm doing good. It, uh, excellent, excellent. It is a... Um, it's a good day. I mean, it's a you know, it's another day. We're we're here again. I'm excited to kind of wrap up yeah. uh, this series. We've we've spent uh, a number of weeks now in these books and kind of wrestling through things. And this last chapter, chapter three of Second Thessalonians, deals with this kind of famous passage that that maybe people have uh, have heard preached before or have heard. You know, maybe it's about laziness. It's about idleness. Um, and you had a, a really helpful kind of take on that, and some helpful clarification, and then some good, good applications for us. Do you want to give us a little recap? Yeah, I, I mean, the re- recapping the the whole series in a whole. I mean, this idea of, mm. of I, I, you know, I've been really impacted by this idea of of waiting and what it looks like to wait well. And and I and I think that it's it's fascinating to me that the Apostle Paul is like. He's encouraging these guys and he's like telling them, hey, you're doing a good job. Hang in there. You know, hold on, stand firm, all these kinds of things. But then almost every time he also says, oh, and by the way, you know, um, you know, there are people like, you know, win the respect of other people, he says in First Thessalonians. Or he says, may your love overflow to the people around you, you know. And so there's these moments where he kind of refers back to this idea that while you hold on, while you hang in there, there's work to be done. And, and so then I think that what happens in chapter three of second Thessalonians, which, which was, which was what we preached on Sunday mm. was like the bullhorn where he's like, okay, let me just, I'm just stop for a second and hear me out. You know, I've been saying this over and over and over again. And what I'm saying is that what we believe and who we believe in actually leads to responsibility um, and a responsibility that we can't ignore. We all have work to do. And so then we move into this idea of work and responsibility and what all of this looks like. And that's where it starts to get fuzzy because we start asking questions. Is this, are you talking about the work that I do at church? Are you talking about the work I do during the day? And does that mean I have to bring Jesus into my conversations? And am I not doing a good enough job as a teacher to like, you know, share Jesus? Or am I not doing a good enough job as a you know, a therapist to sort of include Jesus in my conversation, all that kind of stuff. It, it starts to build all of this angst. And I think it's very important for us to understand what he was getting at and what's the point. And so that's why we continue to have postscript and be able to talk it through a little, a little more, um, you know, comfortably and, and informally. Yeah. And kind of dig into some of these things. Now I got to admit, you know, there, there's this verse in there that talks about never tire of doing good. Yeah. Um, I'm making sure I'm getting that right. That's right. Which verse is that? Um, yeah. Which like I, it's, it's one of those things I feel like I need to hear. And especially right now, like, okay, there's some irony here, Paul, two weeks ago. Uh, well, eight days ago, I, you know, wrote a song and, and led our congregation in this song, which just talks about how tired I am. And everyone right. was like, yep, I'm there. Right. And like, right. we, you know, we, we worship the God who never tires and that's great. Um, how do we like, and I know maybe that's not exactly what we're talking about, but I think everyone's pretty tired. And I know yeah. there've definitely been times in my life. Uh, I don't know if this is a personality thing or what, but I've like, I feel like, man, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the the thing that God's calling me to. And it's just like, Yep. Keep getting the short end of the stick in everything. How do we, how do we like, 
how do we do this? How do we never tired of doing good when we're tired of doing good? Yeah. So let me let me try to come at this in a way that I actually want to include what comes before, because okay, what great. happens in in the beginning of this chapter? So in verses five through I'm just looking at the passage here um, mm-hmm. in the verses five through ten, what we or six through ten. What you hear is there's this idea that he says, don't associate with people who are who are idle and disruptive, the NIV, we're not, maybe we'll get to Mm -hmm. what that word means, but like, be careful of those people that are out of line. Then he says, instead, follow my example. So then as those verses continue on all the way through to verse 10, you start to hear, he talks about, we did this and we did this, and this is how we did it. And this is how we did that. And all of those things Mm kind of came in together. So verses 11 to 13 function in my mind in the same way from a, from the perspective of, he says, So at the beginning, he's saying, don't associate with those people who are disruptive. Now he's saying, some of you are disruptive. And then he says, instead of being those people, never tire of being good. And so Mm. what I'm trying to get at is that this, if you see it in the context of the passage that it's in, and you don't just take it out on its own, it's actually in response to not being those people who are out of line. And so to me, the idea of doing good is is not so much like, you know, you got to do more, you got to do more, you got to do more, you got to do more. Don't get hmm. tired. Don't get tired. What he's saying is that is that don't get tired of bringing everything that you do in line with who Jesus is. Don't ever right. get tired of being in line. And, and what I mean by that is, is stay vigilant, stay on top of it. Keep that focus in front of you. Make sure that you don't get that temptation to just kind of drift away. He's saying, don't get tired of that. Keep coming back to this this kind of center point. And so I think with that in mind, it changes the way we look at it. Because I think for most people, when we look at this passage, we think he's talking about laziness because mm-hmm. it actually says in our NIV little, the little title, you know, avoiding uh, idleness. And so when you see this passage that says never tire of doing good, you associate it with this idea of laziness. And then you start to say, well, wait a second, like, you know, then I need to work harder. I need to work more. I need to do more. And so, in fact, I had actually had some conversations with a couple of people after the service on Sunday that were really interesting Mm. because the conversations were, there was a little, there was an edge of, um, I feel like I'm not doing enough. And that's yeah. overwhelming to me because I know yep. that I need to be a better mom. I know I need to be a better dad. I know I need to be a better boss or a better, you know, whatever. And and what I said is that is that when we understand this passage in terms of being in line or out of line, it mm-hmm. changes the way we think about this because your job is to be the best you know, mom that you can be, your job is to be the best boss that you can be. That doesn't mean you do more and more and more. It just means that you do those things that are in front of you well. And I think the thing that that gets really interesting for me, and I'm sorry, I'm starting to preach here, but there's, we (laughs) often get this idea that there's two sides. It's like my church work, the stuff I do for God, and then my regular Mm. work. There is no distinction. When we align our lives with the way of Jesus, that, that brings everything into the same bucket. Sure. And so sure. what that means is that if you are a teacher, your job is to be the best teacher that you can be. And if you are trying to to do that with to the best of your abilities and you're teaching kids and you're loving on them and all that kind of stuff, you don't mm. have to mention Jesus to make it count. Right? It right. counts because you are bettering the lives of other people. This is God made a world that needs work. Like, I think that's a, that's a thought that has been rolling around in my mind that is so important to me that like, like we, 
God has created a world that needs work. We need teachers. We need carpenters. We need all of these people just to, to bring this kind of beauty into, um, into fruition. And so anyways, my point is yeah, that, which, and that gets back to our, we had a whole series on work and we did podcasts around it. Go listen to it. If you want a theology work, it's all there. Totally. Totally. And I think that's really important because, because I, and I said this at the beginning, I know we're tired. I don't want, I don't want to sit in a church service and have some preacher tell me that I'm, you know, there's a, about something else that I'm not doing very well i mean mm-hmm. who wants that i yeah. don't want people feeling guilty coming out of this like that's the yeah, point and I, I i mean i thought your um your explanation of the word idleness right the word that gets translated as laziness right so it's, it's this military idea that we're out of line we're right. doing the wrong things um yeah. and then i i actually thought uh okay and maybe i'm picking on this because i hate golf but you talked a little bit about retirement right and this idea that often in retirement we think our goal is to create heaven on earth yeah we're, we're going to create something that we enjoy and that's an example i think is what you're saying like if all we're doing is caring about our own rest and relaxation and enjoyment that's an example of us doing the wrong kind of work us being out of line is that fair absolutely right okay. yeah right on that's 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 what i think you know is 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 what we're getting at for sure so can you give me any more examples? Because you, you talked a little bit about, you know, the, these, these people who are out of line. Uh, and we're going to talk, you talked about five people. I want to get to that. But these people who are out of line weren't necessarily outside of the church. They can also be inside of the church. Yeah. Um, so I'm not looking for names, but like what kind of behaviors do you see inside our church that you would consider out of line? What are the things we should be wary of? Yeah, so I'm not thinking of anything in specific, but the kinds of things that we should be weary of are people who are doing everything they can to get ahead, okay? So think about those people who are, you know, like they're succeeding and they're making tons of money and, you know, they drive up on Sunday in a, you know, like in a, I don't know, like fancy car or something like that. And, and they, they, they're getting to where they are, uh, by focusing on the wrong things, by trying to make, you know, you know, something of themselves and all that kind of stuff. And so to me, I think that as young people grow up in the church, we look over at those people and we say, look, you know, I can be a follower of Jesus and I can be super, super, Mm -hmm. super successful and I can do all these kinds of things. And all of a sudden our minds get shifted off of this idea of, you know, quietly going about our business and working hard and doing all those kinds of things. Um, and our minds get focused a little bit in a different direction. And we start to think about, mm. about me, about me, about me. Right. So, so yep. I would say, you know, someone who was, was working in such a way that was, you know, trying to get ahead, um, you know, by, by inappropriate means that to me would be mm-hmm. an example. Another example would be someone who is not doing anything, who's just decided to, you know, sit back and say, you know what, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I can, you know, I'm, I'm, I've figured out the way that the systems work and I'm not going to work at all. I'm just going to do this. It's not that they can't, it's that they're unwilling. Those are people Mm -hmm. that we need to avoid too. So there's two sides here, right? Yeah. And it's not, uh, I mean, the the trick of this, right? You you mentioned people who are getting ahead and, and drive to church in a fancy car. Well, we, we have people in our church who drive fancy cars. I know some of them. And I know they they actually haven't lived their lives in a way that just says they're going to get ahead all the time. So it's not necessarily everyone with a fancy car who's got the wrong priorities, right? It's that that our priorities, which can be reflected in our stuff. And I actually think for those of us who have any kind of wealth, which let's be honest, is all of us, but those who have more more wealth, um, we need to be careful about what we're doing with it. I think our, our money is, a, is actually a great example of um, of how 
how our priorities are laid out. Uh, and again, it's not to say that if you drive a nice car, you definitely don't follow Jesus. You definitely have your priorities wrong. Yeah. But, and that's where it gets a little be bit careful. Yeah. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky because it's not always easy to see. Right. And, and you know, the way when we, when I look back at our series, cause I actually spent some time looking back at our series uh, made for Mondays mm-hmm. when I was preparing for this. And I kind of focused in on these three things that when work is ordered biblically, it's others focused, it's our best effort, and it's a reflection yep. of a God who works. So, yeah. you know, there's there's a, there's an industriousness, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like someone who's like working hard, right? Yes, an industriousness. That's what I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yep. And, but, but I, and, and so like, you know, I, I think, you know, I have a, a friend that I, I meet on a regular basis and, you know, we've, we've had conversations about this a lot. And mm. I think that, you know, we is, as we, we have this like aversion somehow to accomplishing things and to, um, you know, because we, we want, we always have this idea that it's, you know, I got to step back from that. I got to step back from that. Being someone mm. who accomplishes things is fantastic. It's amazing. You know, if you're if you're running your business in such a way that, you know, stakeholders are making money and all that kind of stuff, that's great. You know, you're using the yep. gifts that God's given you. But as soon as we turn those things inward and make them about ourselves, when we make our work about ourselves, those are the people that we need to be uh, that we need to be careful of. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think that there are some people in our church who you know drive nicer cars who are exactly the people that we should be keeping around in terms of um, you know but, not keeping around. That's not the I mean keeping yeah, around no, in our own but, minds in in the way that we you know when I talked about this idea of of uh, having good influences, they're the greatest influences. Yeah, some some of the most. Um, kind of God fearing, following, uh, risky kind of like get their priorities, right. People I've ever heard of. And my, <laughs> um, I, I know of someone who, who owns a private jet and the way he uses that private jet is so kingdom minded, which is hilarious to think like, really a private jet, yeah. but yeah, yeah, like, so it's, yeah, it, it's not necessarily the things, but it's our priorities, which is why it's hard. Right. So yeah. this is, I think this is part of the challenge of this for me is it's kind of like avoid the wrong people. How do we know the wrong people? Well, you get into their priorities. Well, how do you know their priorities? Eh, it's hard to tell. You can't always tell from the outside. There may be some si- signs, but um, so, so let me, let me flip over. I, obviously that's challenging. You talked a bit about the five people you spend the most time with and how they influence you. Yeah. So great. Except like, no one's spending any time with anyone or no one should be spending any time with anyone, right? Like, yeah. how, okay. I, I talked to me about this in COVID. Well, first of all, I goofed. All right. I, I, okay. I was just, I used an example and in my mind, I was not thinking at all about COVID. I, you, you know, the five people that I spend the most time with is my family and, I was going to say my dog, but that's not a person. <laughs> that's the fifth. I'm trying to find five. I got two kids. It's probably me because we do this call every week. And we, you know, we see each other on Sunday. That's it, right? That's yeah. And and, uh, and that's that's not my point. Um, no. And so, I, you know, I apologize if I kind of went down the wrong road there. What what I was trying to get at was was that the the pe- – so forget – if you can forget COVID – let me let me mm. say it two ways. I'll say one way. If we forget COVID, think about the people who are around you the most, who who you allow to influence you, right? And 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 I, I mean, I think you know, for students who are listening, it's it's right down to the way that you dress, the way that you know, the way that you like you you wear certain clothes because your friends wear certain clothes, and and you you kind of like so those are the people that influence you. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about influence. So. I was thinking about who are the top five people in your life who influence you. And and I think in, in COVID, so this is the second part of what I was going to say, 
in COVID, we do have this really cool opportunity to to look for people who are going to be, you know, positive influences on us. Mm-hmm. And it could be, you know, how are you dealing with what what's in front of you right now? Um, and this actually, if I could just say, Dave, this leads back to what you said earlier about how do we know, because mm. we don't know their priorities. Yep. We got to ask them, right? I mm. mean, I'm not okay. suggesting that we need to stay away from people as if they like have some kind of, um, um, you know, like we're not trying to stay away from them if if we think they might be bad influences. I'm talking about the people that we bring closest into us. If you have a conversation with someone and they say, yeah, you know what? I made sure that I was lying and doing all this stuff because I really wanted this promotion. And you're like, hey, that's great. Thank you very much. And then you you back up and, you, and you're like, I'm going to find someone different to roll, you know, to model yeah. my life after. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it, for me, it's it's who are the stakeholders in my life? Who are the people who I who I'm most candid with, who I, um, who I asked to help me in my journey even, uh, because it, you're right. It's not that we don't want to spend time with people who don't know Jesus or who have their priorities wrong. Cause we absolutely do. That's like, look at who Jesus spent his time with. Yeah. He spent all kinds of time with, um, you know, the people on the outside, the people who were the tax collectors. Right. Uh, and yet, um, you know, there was this inner circle of disciples and I think that's, that's kind of what this is. Who's your close friend group? And I do think on one hand, you know, not a great example during COVID because who are the five people? But on the other hand, Paul, I think this is the right time for all of us. We're, we're resetting. We're resetting relationally. We're, we're yeah. rethinking what does it take for me to, to invest in people and to allow them to invest in me? And all of us, as we, as we get this vaccine, as we kind of return to, uh, it, it's not even going to be return. As we, as we find a new normal, I think all of us have to wrestle with what do our relationships look like now? Um, yeah. So this is the right time in my mind to kind of say, who are those influential people? Now, how do you make sure they're the right ones? Um, but, but you also ended our, our sermon with this call to uh, both like, are you like you said, are are we ignoring people who are out of line and are we willing to accept help from others? So, so in those moments where we find ourselves, right, it's easy for us to look around and, and even if we ask people to judge people by their motives, but like, it's the classic, I, I judge myself by the right motives and recognize that I make mistakes. And I think other people are terrible if they ever make a mistake. Right. 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 Um, so I think those two questions kind of get at that a little bit. How do we how do we do those two things? How do we welcome um, welcome other people speaking into our lives, and then how do we interact with people who are out of line? Yeah, I uh, I think that uh, maybe this is a little bit too simplistic, but you know, like what do they say that um, you know the first step is is understanding or defining reality. And I think that yep. what you just said there is really, really important for us to remember that when we see something wrong in someone else, we attribute mm. it to them personally. And when we see something wrong in ourselves, we attribute it to something external, right? Yep. So somebody cuts me off, um, they're a bad person. I cut somebody mm. off, I'm just busy or something happened or whatever. Yeah, and I think- I didn't check my mirror, exactly. my bad. So I just need to keep that in my mind. If I understand that, then both sides of this are both are at play here. I'm not going to go to somebody and assume that they are just a bad person because they're, you know, kind of going down this road. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go with it with a with an um, a decision to seek understanding. I'm going to go to say, hey, like I was seeing something like help me understand what's going on. And, you know, how are you thinking this through and what's going on with you and all that kind of stuff. And we can do that in love like a brother, mm-hmm. not like an enemy. Right. Like it says. And yeah. 
On the flip side, I think we can assume when someone comes to us, they will likely give feedback that sounds a little bit like an attack. It almost always does. And so in those moments, we have to just let it go. (laughs) They're not attacking me personally. Listen to what they're saying and, 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 and make a decision whether what they have to say is valid or not valid. And, and Mm -hmm. so I think that the, the two sides are both really important that we just, you know, you know, both of those things are important. Okay. Uh, last question here, because we're we're at our twenty minute mark. I know. Um, I wish we weren't. There's so much good stuff here. You, you talked about discipline, right? And this this importance yeah. of discipline. So in our context, in our church, and and people have, I would say, everyone I know who's been around the church for a while has a horror story on one side or the other. Being in a church where they didn't practice any discipline and people got away with things they really shouldn't have. Yeah. Or being at a church where they excommunicated like crazy and like just abusive power. How do we practice that as our church? Uh, how do we get better at that even? Uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, can we wrap now? Are we done? <laughs> I, yeah, you can you answer I, that in 30 I mean, seconds? I th- you, know, I, you know, I think that the way that we do this well is that we consider ourselves a family. And okay. and I think that if we recognize that that we are all in this together, we're trying to figure this out, the object of discipline is always redemption, is always, you know, mm-hmm. repentance and restoration. It's all of those good things. I would say that the it, as long as we see each other, you know, it used to be in the in the old days, churches used to, people in, in church used to call each other brothers and sisters, you know, like, hey, brother, yeah. how's it going? Hey, sister, how's it going? Yeah. And we think it's weird and creepy. And it it is. But... It's also, Hey, there's people in our church who at least pre COVID were still doing it to me. So <laughs> there you go. Great. Well, then that's good because I think that that reminder is probably what's going to help us keep a healthy balance. Okay. Um, and I would say that the other thing that I would say quickly is that I think we need to share the responsibility of, uh, accountability and that mm. if accountability is coming from three people, then you're going to have this abuse of power because those three people seem to be like, you know, kind of making the rules. Whereas I think if we collectively share the responsibility, so that's what I would say, collectively share, treat each other as a family and your discipline will probably turn out. Okay. This is great. Uh, we could keep going, but I'm not going to keep people on the hook, um, as always. And and we've actually been getting a bit more feedback lately, which has been wonderful. If you've got questions, if you think we're wrong on something, someone sent me an email this week where they said, Hey Dave, I think what you said was wrong. And I read it carefully and said, yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) This is a conversation. So not everything we say is hundred percent true. Uh, and, and part of the joy of this is that we can, we can have this conversation and you can listen in and kind of help us. Uh, and, and hopefully this helps you. So email us if you've got any feedback. Paul, you've got something to say. Yeah, I just want to say that the last thing is that, you know, in terms of what we've been talking about today, um, I I shared a quote that said, when we accept Christ's invitation to a kingdom vision, when we believe that God has, you know, given us this picture and this kingdom vision, we are, by definition, accepting personal responsibility and carrying out that vision. And I think that's what this is about. And that's the beauty of what we were talking about on Sunday. Yeah, I love that personal responsibility. It's not our job as pastors to carry you along. Um, it's it's all of us to, to follow Jesus and to take this stuff seriously. So we're going to wrap it up there uh, and we will be back next week with more Postscript. <laughs>